I need to lean back. Me? That's all you heal. Alright. Welcome to Eastern Current, guys. This is episode what? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? 30, 30 uh, something? No, no, no. 40, 40 something? It'll be 45. Alright. 45. We're going somewhere. We're doing something. Yeah. So we're going to... Um, we're going to talk about top waters. Oh, yeah. A little applause. I um, how to do sound effects. We're going to talk about top waters in the summer. Um, spring. 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 Okay, we'll talk about sorry, summer, spring. too. Yeah, spring top um, And then different types of top waters, uh, what fish we like to use them for, how we like to work them, so on and so forth. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit about a little trip we went on a couple days ago on yeah. Saturday as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to apologize. We were supposed to have... Um, Joe Johnson from Eastern Outfitters on tonight, but um, we could not get his phone to sync correctly. Like when we were trying to record the audio um, pre-show, it wasn't working very well. So we'll have him on next week. We'll be good to go then. So we apologize for that. I'm going to talk real quick about the uh, Patreon, please, the Google deal. So um, sorry, I'm drinking this Polar Seltzer and it's making me burp a lot, but. We have started that private Facebook group, asked to join, hop on there. We're just trying to create a fishing community um, of people that like this show, like this podcast, be able to talk to each other and communicate and talk about fishing. So check that out. It's Eastern Current Fishing. It's different than this Eastern Current live streaming page. Um, The other thing is we have created a Patreon account. Um, We're not trying to make a bunch of money through it, but we are trying to cover our back-end expenses for all the software we're paying for, monthly subscriptions and um, epidemic sound which is like allowing us to use sound uh, or use songs on our YouTube videos um, all our podcast hosting deal it, it ends up coming to about $175 um, a month and I know it's annoying to hear me talk about this but it's really helpful um, to not for us to not it helps me a lot to not pay for all these little subscriptions um, and if you really love the show it would be huge a huge blessing to us um, to help us through either a $5 a month or $10 a month donation. There's different tiers on there. So for the first 10 people to go on there and donate, I'm going to draw a name and I'm going to give away um, two Fenwick HMGs, brand new, with two pin conflicts um, with 15-pound spider wire braid on them. So it's like a, I think it's like $400 value, probably more than $400 value um, for free. So go on there. It's either $5 a month, which is like a cup of coffee a month, or $10 a month. You can choose which one depending upon what you like or what you feel like you want to do. Um, the other thing that I'm going to start doing, me and Cameron are going to start doing, is some extra content each month on that platform. I think we, we're even going to try to do like an extra podcast uh, maybe every other week that's on there that's just for those Patreon members. So go check it out. I'm going to drop the link here, and I'm going to drop the link in the podcast description and the YouTube videos. But um, enough of that. Let's talk about uh, topwater fishing. Let's do it. You down? I'm in. So tell tell everybody what we did this past Saturday. What we we went up and fished with Brian Saunders up in uh, up in the Noose. Yeah, up on the Noose in, in Newburgh. Yeah. So um, uh, drove up there early Saturday morning. What time did we leave? Four thirty. You might have left your house at four thirty. Four thirty, somewhere around there. Yeah, got there early enough to where fish were still biting when we got there. The early morning bite was still good. Yeah. Um, and I had never caught stripers on top water, and that was like my main goal to do. And I say we achieved that goal. Yeah, it was um, over and above what I was what I was expecting. Um, but yeah, Brian Saunders, who we've had on here before showed us the ropes around there and 
Um, we had an awesome time. Super I mean, we awesome caught time. stripers, we caught trout, we caught um, a couple red drum, probably more than a couple. And I caught like, that uh, red ear, that oyster, oyster, <laughs> or not oyster, whatever it's called, a little brim on a mirror lure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one thing that was, I mean, you were crushing me in the beginning. We were fishing these like broken um, docks, yeah, really old docks that were just like stumps sticking out of the water, and really required like some pretty technical casting. I don't even think we did. We lose the top water all day. We broke I broke one off. off or, yeah, yeah. We, we, got, no, we, we never got lost them all back. Yeah, um, but yeah, Judd started just like absolutely hammering them with one of the uh, top waters that you painted. Yeah, I was stoked on that. Um, and I was sitting over there, a little too hesitant to probably get too deep in the stumps, and <laughs> Judd was just like rifling it right down the middle. Um, so you, you had probably caught five fish before I caught my first one. It was a little heartbreaking for me. The crazy thing was though, like you had all these stumps, you had like this exterior amount of stomp or exterior line of stumps or old submerged dock pilings, if you will, that were barely sticking out because the tide was low. And I'd throw way up into those pilings and start working it out. And I don't think I ever had a blow up until inside. it was yeah inside like they were all sitting right on the those on the the edge. outside edge of those pilings yeah. and i feel like i hear that with with uh striper in a lot of scenarios like on lights a lot of fish you know they like that edge that ambush mm-hmm. area so mm-hmm. even when they're cruising they're like cruising those little ambush zones yeah which is interesting and one thing that the like just while we're talking about top waters and technique and things of that nature with the first fish that i had eat my top water I immediately just ripped it, like, cause I, cause he boiled on it, and I saw him, and I kept working it, and then he, I, he came up and ate it, and I felt the tug, and I just like pulled my rod like this, yeah. and just not having fish topwaters in a while, it's super easy to do, but the main thing you want to do when you're working at topwater is just keep working it, yeah. even if, if you see him blow up on it. Don't set the hook. Just keep working it until you feel line pulling, and then yeah. you can pull back on it. That's the big thing. Like I feel like even a lot of times the fish will eat it and miss it, and it goes underwater, and people don't see it, so they'll set the hook. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they'll suck it down a little bit, and it'll come out. It's so important to keep working it. Keep yeah. working until you feel the buildup of pressure. Yeah, yeah, and especially with those stripers. I mean, redfish too, but those stripers seem like they just miss that thing. Yeah, constantly. they're a little sloppy. They're a little sloppy. <laughs> a little yeah, sloppy. A lot of like we had a lot of like little pops, pop, pop, and then they just yeah. drop down or anything. Yeah. And, I mean, and some it. of those stripers are fairly small, but yeah. I mean, it's just important if you want to. Top water so much fun, but if you want to like catch uh, or have a good hookup ratio on top waters, just keep it working until yeah. you really feel the fish like pulling on it. Definitely, would be like my probably my biggest piece of advice for working top waters. There's a hook too that I've changed all my topwater plugs out to. God, do I have one in here? I forget what it is. It's an owner brass nickel or something like that. It's a new owner hook. If you're local, go to Intercoastal Angler and ask Ben Chesney or Ryan or any of those guys the topwater, the, the hooks they like changing their topwaters to. Um, it's what I've been putting on the plugs and the lures that I've been painting. Um, and they are so sticky. I mean, mm-hmm. the fish just barely nudge it. And that, I mean, the times I'm trying to get it out of my tackle box, I'll have like three hooks just hanging off my hand like I got to pick them out they're just really really sharp so those sloppy bites I think it definitely helps out a lot of the fish I had were hooked on the outside of the face like like they just came up and swiped at it and got hooked and that's why it's so important to not pull away from them you know if you keep working it and they miss it they'll come back and eat it and eat it and eat Mm -hmm. it again but if you rip it out of there they're gone so and the other thing I learned about the stripers was because they miss it so much 
um, and you keep working it, I almost had better, kind of what I do, don't do for redfish. So if I have a redfish blow up on a topwater, I'll pretty much just keep walking at the same speed. And I'm yeah. sure people have different techniques and think different things works, but that's just worked for me in the past. But with the stripers, if they would blow up on it or boil on it, I would stop the topwater and then just start twitching it like slower. Yeah. Like it was like they injured Almost it. Almost walking it in yeah, place a little bit. Yeah, walking it in place just really slow and almost every time yeah. they would eat it. You started crushing them there like mid-morning. That's because you put down your rod. Well, I think I put <laughs> down my rod at first because you were catching the crap out of them. And I was like, all right, you're catching them good. So I ended up picking the camera up and just filming a bunch of close-up topwater eats. We've got a video that we're going to put out here in the next couple of days, but... There's some really cool blow-ups. There was one time where the camera was walking it, walking it, walking it. This one fish kept blowing it up, blowing it up, blowing it up all the way to the boat. Wasn't hooking them. And so I just cut my camera off. I was like, all right, I got to start fishing again. Right when I cut my camera off, the fish just smoked it like two feet from the boat. <laughs> yeah. And I had just taken my camera away from it. It was so sick. And I was I was pissed that I didn't get it. But everyone's like, oh, did you get that in film? I was like, no. That's the one that I missed. That's a, Yeah, one thing, another thing I learned was like, don't give up on those fish, man. Because yeah. like... You'll see one boil, he'll blow up, and you'll work it another 15 yards, and you're like, oh, he must be gone. Yeah. And so you just burn it in. But, like, the guy, Brian, that we were with was like, don't give up on uh, a fish. If, if you've seen one boil or blow up, just work it all the way back to the all boat. Back and that the... paid dividends. Yeah, um, I would say more fish were hooked with inside the inside half of the cast yeah. than the outside mm-hmm. half of the cast, probably. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I'm not going to share too much about this spot because it will maybe give it away to some people, but um, the we were fishing, we were looking for structure for these spring striper. A lot of these fish are going up the river right now to spawn. Um, owner stinger treble black chrome finish. Tommy Mungo, thank you. That is what it is. The owner stinger I'm treble. I'm going to try those out. Yeah, I've never they're tried super those. sticky. Um a lot of these fish are upriver spawning right now, but there's st- but still a good number of quality fish. And we had multiple fish over 20 inches, um, which isn't like a massive striper, but it's a good, really good North Carolina striper. We mm-hmm. don't see many of those fish over 30 inches in North Carolina. Um, and so what I was going to say, though, is I'm going to kind of lay out the two scenarios of where we were finding striper in the Noose River. So one was structure-oriented, stump fields, old dock pylons, just like... If you ever pay attention to, and this isn't always true, but redfish on docks, mm-hmm. they're usually around the crappiest, oldest docks. The yeah. most growth, the most you know crap going on there. Um, same with the striper on the structure, like is what he was saying. It's like the yeah, older he, dock we, pilings. Yeah, we were fishing one old dock piling, and he was like, I've always caught stripers here. That dock right next to it, that was like fairly newer looking. Yeah. It's like been here for 10 years. It was what, 30 yards away? Yeah, yeah. That? never caught a striper there. <laughs> that's crazy that's so crazy but that's i mean that's a lot of fish on on heavy structure like that it seems like they've got their little spots they like like the mm-hmm. redfish they come back to the same docks year after year um but the other thing we were looking for was these these uh submerged stump fields if you will there's a bunch yeah. of old washed out logs and stuff under the water we were, we were picking it up on um on the side scan and so we're rolling into this flat right off the river channel it's a big wide flat there was a point and brian's pulls up a side scan and he's pointed out he's like check this out you know these are these are some striper um you can see these marks i bomb a topwater out there click 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 bam and just smoked it right where i was kind of throwing into that area that the side scan was giving us a read on some fish 
Um, but they just they're they're very structure and oriented striper are for the most part. Yeah, so um, it seemed that way. They don't always have to be, but they can be. All right, so that was that's our little spiel on the spring striper fishing. It's good right now, and that fishery stays strong through the whole winter. Uh, or through the whole summer, through the winter mm-hmm. too. But I mean, top water all summer long up there. So um, hit up Brian Saunders, go check him out, get out in the water with him, go do some top water fishing. Yep. Um, if you get up there on your own, go out and just look for that structure like we're talking about. Uh, turn on your graph and, and try to find some good structure in that. Like, I don't think we caught any fish under three feet of water, but three to yeah. the deepest we were catching them in on top water was what, 15 feet? Yeah. Maybe yeah, we were sitting at 15, 15, maybe feet. throwing to 12 or 10 feet of water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, super fun, super fun to do. Um, striper are, I'd say, top five favorite fish of mine. Yeah, um, I mean anything that eats top water that readily is is a fun <laughs> fish to catch. That's very true. Um, but yeah, I mean we must have caught what sixty, fifty, yeah, to between 60 forty, stripers. To forty and sixty stripers on top. All water. on top water. All on top yeah. water. We didn't even throw anything else. Yeah, that's a good day when you don't have to tie anything else on other For than real. top water. I know. My, my shoulder is still feeling a little bit. But, <laughs> um, all right. So here locally, let's talk about what, we've, what we're kind of coming into. We've got the warming water temps. Um, if you're on social media, you've already seen some pictures being posted of fish being caught on top water. Um, and it, it's that time of year. These fish are starting to look up. The mullet are starting to show back up in very, very small numbers so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so top water is a great, great way to to target these fish. And it's it, it's a, 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 a way that is very well, how do I put this, well received at this time of year. Because I'm so sick of like working baits really soft yeah, and yeah, slow yeah. on the bottom. Really it's nice slow. to like get a nice aggressive eat. Yeah. Uh, so what conditions are you looking for, Cameron, going into the spring of like you're hitting the water and you're like, you know what, I might tie a top water on first thing this morning? Yeah, I mean, it, one, probably a little bit warmer weather. Yeah. If it's been warm for a couple of days, especially this time of year, I think they're probably readily eat it. Two, I'm looking for bait. If I don't see any bait or nothing, like no fish blowing up on the surface or moving on the surface, then I might wait to th- put on a top water. I like to see some sort of sign that like that that's kind of how they're feeding for sure. Um, but then, I mean, the big things I'm looking for is like s- submerged oyster beds. I love throwing top waters off like grass points. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, anything that you, you, if you're thinking like a fish, like an ambush point, right? So yeah. like somewhere where the fish can hide behind or hide around that when something comes and sw- sweeps by it, they can like, attack it without that bait really realizing that it's there definitely um but yeah i mean i would say happy fish looking for happy fish that's a big one um moving around especially if you're sight fishing yeah happy especially if you're sight fishing i mean but top waters are a great search bait too yeah Um, oh yeah i typically like in the late spring and early summer i usually have one rod with a top water and one rod that's like a more of like a actual sight fishing Right, sure. so like a grub or something. Yeah, I would say to to expand on happy fish because I know you and I both know exactly what we're talking about. We say mm-hmm. happy fish, and most people do. I feel like, but it's like, and it's hard if you're not sight fishing. How do you know if these fish are like acting what we're calling happy or not? Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of the days when I pick a topwater plug up this time of year, it's because where those fish are in the water column. Like if they're sitting on the bottom. The school's right, hanging yeah. out on the bottom. They're right, probably not going to come up to the top water. Yeah. But like, yeah, that's it, a good point. So if you see, if there's a big school somewhere and you see like they're getting from their hole 
onto like a big flat. Yeah. And you can see him pushing around, pushing wake, eating, eating bait and, and uh, like redfish do, they wink or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, that's always a great sign because oh, yeah. they're looking for something to eat. A little floating action going on. Floating, floating on the surface. Man. Yeah, I mean, if even if if they're in a deep hole, but they're floating, they're gonna smack a top. They're gonna water. smack. That might be water. the sickest, like the yeah. most fired up they get. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often, no. but it's uh, it's definitely cool to see. Yeah, if they're in eight to ten feet of water or five to ten feet of water and they're floating on the surface. Pick they'll, a friggin' top one up and throw it because they will pretty much eat it. anything that you'll yeah. throw at them. You throw that. a jig to them, they'll eat it on the top because they'll eat it so <laughs> yeah. quick. But we're going to start to see some days like that now where these schools that you might have found throughout the winter are going to be really, they might, you know, these same fish that you've been having a ton of trouble getting them to eat, they get mm-hmm. that right, you know, that perfect mixture of, of food and sun and everything. And they'll get really fired up and really, mm-hmm. you know, want to eat a topwater plug. Yeah, and some of those schools will grow like, I swear, sometimes you'll be fishing a school throughout the winter and it's, um, you know, if you fish them a lot, they start getting spooky or whatever. And yeah. then you come back a couple of weeks later and it seems like there's a hundred more fish in there. Yeah. And maybe it may, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but you know, I have to imagine that there's still fish coming in from the ocean. Yeah, definitely. And probably, you know, those fish are there for some reason that other fish probably are going to the same places and seem like those schools kind of explode. Yeah. It seems like this is a point. I was talking about this. I was pre-recording another podcast earlier this evening. Um, and I think fish, and this is just a thought, but you think about large migrations, you know, big pushes of striper schooling and moving north, tarpon schooled up moving north. Like, I think when fish make a decent-sized move, whether it even be from, like, excuse me, a nearshore wreck through the inlet, Mm-hmm. I think they do it in numbers. Like I think they group up and move together. Like you'll, you're, yeah, maybe like a fish or two will join a school, but it's like, like you're saying, it's like I think a hundred fish come in. I, I think as they travel in and out of the ocean, they're moving in large numbers I mean, a lot you of would times. Think so yeah, I always thought it would be so cool to see like, all right, so you know, the, the, you find a big school of fish um, somewhere in the spring. Yeah. Well, they had to have in, in it's deep in the deep in the back in the marsh somewhere. Okay. But like to get there, there's like they have to come through a teeny little creek, right? <laughs> it's like how cool would it be to be there that day? If, if they are traveling in massive groups like that, which I I'm, if they're all ending up at the same place, you gotta imagine that they probably are. Yeah. To be like on the sandbar in like eight inches of water when like. 400 redfish start swimming by you're like, uh. you're like what <laughs> yeah. yeah i can't say i've ever like caught them in transition like that i i, I definitely haven't i've seen them like there's some spots we'll fish together where it's like you know they're in this spot but sometimes we'll catch them here and we'll catch them here you mm-hmm. know like they'll be holding in these different spots maybe they're like transitioning into the the further spot or yeah. the, i know you know the place i'm talking about probably but <laughs> not, but um but yeah it's it's uh we got a off topic of topwater fishing. Again, here's something for y'all real quick. I keep forgetting to say this, but if y'all have any questions about topwater fishing, about spring fishing, shoot them over here in the comments and we'll do our best to answer them all. Um, we like to be interactive on these live shows and, and whatnot. But but yeah, catching catching those fish in, in the transit, I think the only people that do that are gillnetters. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. Um, but but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some other people have too. probably right. Um so yeah, look for happy fish. I mean, don't don't beat yourself to death throwing a top water. Wait for the right scenario. You'll know when it's right. I mean, when they're fired up eating a jig really well and you're seeing them flashing in the water and mm-hmm. seeing fish at the top of the water column, 
pick up that top water plug and, and try it out a little bit. Yeah, and not? if they're not eating a top water, maybe like a you know some of those those softines and other baits like that that are super super uh, close to the surface, but they're still mm-hmm. subsurface. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll eat that more. Like you'll get a lot of those fish that'll come up and follow a plug in the spring like really hard and not yeah. quite eat it. Yeah. Something that's just under the water where, the, where they can eat it without having to like blow up on yeah. the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is uh is best. But but the redfish are eating top water now. I mean, people have been catching them here. We caught what, one what up in was it? So you were on the water today. What was the water temperature? I had 60. I had 60 in the creeks. 60. Yeah, and that was in some clear water creeks. So you know, if you get into some dirtier water further down south and down yeah. in South Carolina, it's going to be it much warmer a little bit warmer um up in the new river i'm sure it was probably you know pushing 63 64 it was getting a lot warmer um what was it earlier this week like we we're getting like 60 it was like, 68, yeah getting right? in the upper 60s yeah it's crazy there's some big fluctuations this time of year and and the yeah. fish will will pick up on that if you're on two days into that warming trend top water time yeah um yeah, I would agree. let's see we got some questions coming here i know off subject but inlets but inlets question mark Wright's Wool is probably the safest to go out of, but just recently moved to Hampstead. Any ideas or info? It okay. So he's asking about inlets thrown out of. I would say Mason Bro is definitely your best bet if you've got mm-hmm. a small swell. Um, you can certainly slide out of Rich's Inlet and you can slide out of uh, Topsoil Inlet and you can slide out of both those inlets with a big swell too. But you're just gonna have to time it correctly um those inlets can be a little squirrely yeah yeah and i would say uh advice for that that i always give people that are like a little iffy on running out some of those inlets especially like topsail inlet mm-hmm. is like go check it out at low tide yeah and make definitely. sure because that's when you're going to see all those exposed sandbars mm-hmm. and you can mark it with your boat so the next time that you go through there you know exactly yeah that's huge the route to right that's huge right. um Route to run. <laughs> the route to run. Um, we got another question here. That was from Ben Booger. Or Belgier. <laughs> Let's go with Belgier. Belgier. Ben Belgier. All right, so Andrew said, do y'all like the higher pitch or lower pitch rattles in the top water? Ooh. <laughs> Me and Cameron are a little different. Total opposites right here. Total opposites. You go first. I'm a huge fan of the She Dog, yeah. which, is a, which is a higher pitched um, top water. And I don't know why. Um, people tend to like the she dog for trout a yeah. lot, from what I understand. For redfish, for me, it's always been really good. I know um, uh, you can. You'll catch like five in front of me, and I try to throw that dang thing, and I cannot get one. And yeah, I, I don't know thing. why. I think. I mean, try out a bunch of different ones. Yeah, I've never had a, a ton of luck on the like lower pitched ones, but I also don't throw it all the time yeah. because I have a lot more confidence in the high pitched, yeah. high pitched ones. But I mean. When I was throwing one of your topwaters, a Spook Junior, right, which is mm-hmm. a little bit lower pitched, yeah, uh, for the stripers, and I was you were crushing them, and I wasn't doing that great, and then I was like, you know what, going with the old faithful, put on the she dog, and then I started tearing, <laughs> started them, tearing up. them up, and <laughs> pink too. We were all throwing chartreuse all morning, yeah. and then you picked up pink. So I just wrote down a ton of notes. Because I'm, r- I'm going to write an article about topwater fishing for the blog that kind of has everything laid out. But here's my theory. So shallow water, low pitch is a little less intrusive. You yeah. know, it's going to be not quite as abrasive in that shallow water. Higher pitch, you're going to get more distance with the noise, more range from mm-hmm. that topwater plug. So if you're fishing, you know, 8 feet of water, 10 feet of water, 12 feet of water, it might be a smart idea to start out with a higher pitch plug that's going to make more noise. Yeah. Um, and, well, and here's a thought. Maybe I, I've never thought about this. It just came to me. But 
maybe higher pitch is better for dirty water. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, it's not in dirty water. I feel like things are less like intrusive on the fish. Yeah. Which like I, I usually usually top water, dirtier water in the summer. And maybe that's top why. water, dirtier water. Yeah, top water, <laughs> dirtier water. What did I say? No, that's what you said. I was <laughs> just trying to wrap my head around it. I usually top water, dirtier water in the summer, which is and I, and I always use the shoe dog. So maybe that's why I've had more success with it than a low pitched one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, if they're if they're going to eat a top water, a lot of times, you know, they'll they'll eat a top water, but. I think what I love about fishing and what keeps me on my toes is like breaking down these little pieces and trying to become a better angler and not just sticking to, you know, the one thing, like trying to play with your tackle and play with your tactics and play with your approach and, and try to get that edge on the fish and the edge on the anglers around you. It's a competitive world that we fish in now. Um, And to be successful, you can't just settle for like mediocre. That's my (laughs) spiel for y'all. So get with it, America. So what is your favorite... If you're gonna, if you could only throw one top water for the rest of your life, for redfish, trout, and some it would be stickers. a spook of some sort, a Hedon, Hayden, Hedon. I hear it Hedon. pronounced. I think it's Hedon is the proper way to say it, um, but probably a one knocker. If I had to go a Hedon one knocker, mm-hmm. um, I like all three sizes. I really like the the, the full size spook. It's a three hook plug. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to take the middle hook out. Ryan Christofferson taught me that. You take the middle hook out and put two bigger hooks on either end. Um, and then I like the Spook Juniors a lot. But I think the – excuse me. This stuff is making me burp like crazy. Polar, our number one sponsor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, the one-knocker Spook I really like. And here's okay. another thing to think about. So pitch is really important. Um, but the shape of these plugs has a lot to do with how they walk mm-hmm. and the conditions that they do well in. Mm-hmm. So like in, in choppy conditions, like your, 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 uh, she dog does better yeah. because it's got that curve in the belly. It's going to keep the nose up out of the waves a little bit yeah. more out of the yeah, chop. Yeah, yeah. Um, like a spook, it doesn't do as good in heavy chop cause it's so flat. It, it'll dig down under the water a little bit more. Same with a skitter walk. You're going to get a little better action with a skitter walk in a slightly choppier water. And here's a big myth. That you need to throw, you only throw top water when it's slicked out. Because yeah, they eat the true. crap out of top waters. I think it's sometimes better when you've got really good texture on the water. Yeah, no, I think it's probably when there's more texture on the water too, it's a little less intrusive. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, but yeah, I've had some great days when it's like pretty windy and choppy. And yeah. even though maybe not like in the middle of the day, but early in the morning, it's been, it, it's been pretty productive. For sure. Are you... So I'm sure you're like me, like top water for the most part in the mornings and mm-hmm. in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any time you'll pick a top water up in the middle of the day and throw it? Yeah, no, I think that goes back to like if the fish are kind of showing you signs that they would eat a top water. Yeah. I think that there's days where they'll eat top water all day long. Yeah. I think you could, we could take it back to like our days of dating where like, you know, you're at a party and you're hanging out and you're like... You know, you're kind of scoping out the scene to see if there's any honeys that you can flirt with. And you're like, is she kind of into me? Should I try to talk to her a little bit? Or is she... That's when you pick the topwater plug. I was wondering where you were going. No, this isn't like... This is just for hanging out. (laughs) Um, It's... uh, You want to, you know, be aware of your surroundings is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And understand, you know, what's going on at the party. Yeah, if you will. No, and in uh, like I said before, it's it's a great search bait. 
Um, and I'll, I'll use them in the middle of the day for a search bait. Yeah. Just because you might have one blow up on it and you might not eat it. Oh, or you might have one wake on it and you might not eat it, but at least that tells you that there's... You've moved a fish. That you've moved a fish and there's probably... If there's one fish, generally there's... Yeah, I agree. A couple more in the area. So, Tommy Mungo says, do you like smaller topwaters in the spring? I, you We're going to go with red, let's say for redfish. For redfish? Yeah. And if you're um, talking about trout, Tommy, shoot it in the comments here and why to that. I'd say one depends on the size of the redfish. Like if it's uh, still kind of winter schools, yeah, and they're smaller redfish, I would probably throw a smaller, yeah. like a spook yeah, I junior. Agree 100%. Um, so if if I'm throwing a bigger topwater and they're spooking off of it or something like that, then <laughs> I'd probably switch to a, a smaller topwater. Yeah, that uh, I would have to agree with that. And one thing that I was thinking about, you know, talking about topwater fishing right now is the fact that. You know, right now they're still super schooled up, so they get real competitive with each other. Um, they start wanting to fight over whatever the available food source is, and I, I feel like as these fish start to break out of these schools, that topwater fishing dies pretty hard for like late spring, early summer. It kind of sucky, like mm -hmm. topwater redfish at least. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, get those get some fish on the topwater right now. Like if you're catching them really good, like put down the jig and maybe catch a few less fish, but get a few on topwater because that late spring, early summer is tough on top. I mean, it yeah. really is. And then and then as it really warms up and the fish spread out into singles and doubles and they're on oyster bars, then it's back game on. It's a whole different scenario. Yeah. But but that spring topwater fishing is like good now. And I would say May, it gets pretty tough for yeah. me. I mean, you can definitely still get them on topwater. They'll still mm -hmm. eat topwater, but it's 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 a big transition period. And that, that time gets kind of tough for me in general sometimes, but um, so you can still have some really good days of fishing. How do you feel about like if there's a big school um, – throwing top water to them, do you, how far do you like to lead them? Because those things make such a big splash. They make such a big splash. When they, when they hit the water, do you like to like really lead them or do you think they don't care that much? Man, like like we were saying earlier, reading the fish and understanding like, you know, their attitude can play a lot into that, but I don't think it ever hurts to, to lead fish, mm -hmm. you know, the right amount. Mm -hmm. um, and when they're schooled up, the nice thing about a top water is, is you can like throw it way across them, slide it on the surface to the right place and then start mm -hmm. working it across them like, Anything that, that I'm throwing when, when fish are schooled up or, or not, I'm trying to like get it to a place, land it quiet, land it away from them, not spooking them, and then slide it into play. Mm -hmm. uh, and same thing with the top water. You want them to feel just like anything else. You want them to feel like they found it. Like you want them to feel like they're they're swimming along and they've kind of spooked this bait fish up to the surface, and he's up on the yeah. surface trying to get away. And and that'll usually trigger that bite pretty well. But um, what about you? What what's your kind of rule of thumb? Yeah, for, I would for say um, I would generally lead them. A decent amount, probably yeah. a little more than I would with like a jig head with a grub on it. Yeah, just because they make such a loud noise when they land. For sure. Um, but like, a good point is like throw it, just throw it way over because you're not gonna pull your line through them under yeah. the water because yeah. it's gonna be on top. So no, I that's agree. A good way to do it. I think that another big aspect of topwater fishing when you're seeing the fish in the water is the angle game. Mm -hmm. um, and and meaning it's the same deal with with subsurface baits. You know, having that retreating angle, the bait kind of moving away from the fish. So if a fish is is swimming at me, I want that bait to kind of quarter across his nose, coming back towards me too. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the same thing with a school. Like if, if the school's swimming away from you, and you throw a top water over them, and you start working that bait back so that it's coming straight at the fish and over their heads and behind them, much less likely to get a bite there. I feel like then. 
Um, you know, if you were throwing it, you know, across that school and getting quartering angle, I feel like quartering angle is usually the best where you're kind of getting it across multiple fish. Most fish, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That, that head on shot, especially with a single fish, like Mm -hmm. if there's a single fish coming straight at the bow of the skiff and I've got a jig or a fly rod or anything in my hand, that's the hardest angle to get them to feed. You've, Mm -hmm. You've got no, you don't have an angle. You have that one direct line of where you've got to land that fly or land that jig, or land that topwater to mm-hmm. get that fish to eat. Um, as opposed to, you know, if he's kind of quartering across your bow, you've got all this area to land your bait and watch that fish and slide it into play, mm-hmm. which which is which is key. And if you're with a good captain um, or someone that understands that, or a good not even a captain, but but another you know buddy that's setting you up with the trolling motor, or setting you up on the push pole for that shot, um, they're going to be thinking about all that too. They're going to try to give you that best angle. Um, and that's what's cool about the way you and I fish a lot on a skiff um, mm-hmm. is how we work together as a team to 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 kind of make the best shot happen. Angles, you yeah. know, I understand what you're thinking, mm-hmm. how you want that cast to be, and you understand what I'm doing with the boat. Mm-hmm. So it's like this big seamless motion to to hook that fit to, yeah. to target that fish or target that school. Um, the other thing too is staying back from fish when throwing topwater plugs. Like yeah, because you can throw, it. you can freaking launch them. You can launch and them pretty accurately. Yeah, super accurately. Like if you can get that nice little barrel roll, like a football. Oh yeah, man! It's no better feeling than when a topwater is just like barrel rolling <laughs> through the through the air. I like when it's like tumbling and the trebles are wrapping the bait <laughs> up in the air. Uh, that's that's. I've always tried to figure out like because you know I feel like I get a really good cast on topwaters where they really just glide through the air like really well. I don't know, maybe 70% of the time. And I can't figure out if it's something that I'm doing when I'm casting it, if it's making it tumble, or if it's just happenstance. Yeah, I don't know. It's got to be... It has to be something with the cast, Mm -hmm. don't don't you think? I would think so, To make it play out. I mean, maybe the wind or... Or whatnot, but but yeah, I think it I think it has to do with that cast. I wonder if it's more of like a, a tight snap with the rod tip, or if it's more of like an open swing. Yeah, I don't know. I think it has something to do with the release. Of the your release finger. of your finger. Yeah, but I mean, you get so much more distance on that thing. Oh my gosh! When it's gliding properly. Yeah, you can buy, especially downwind. I mean, you can throw one seventy five yards. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's talk a little bit about, we've talked about kind of the different styles of these like walk the dog baits. Have you played around with any other type of topwaters for, for saltwater fish? Um, not really. Not really? Any popper? Uh, I've, I've used poppers. Use I've poppers? used poppers, but mostly for uh, bluefish. Yeah. Um, and as well as like, you know, big, um, big ones for amberjack. Amberjack, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I keep saying for sure. One of the baits that I really like, I liked it a lot in Louisiana. I think it was really effective in Louisiana. Um, whopper plopper. The whopper plopper or any prop bait, like any of those prop style baits. Um, you get some of those old striper plugs and bass plugs that have like the propeller on the nose and stuff do like that. Do you walk the dog with those or do you just reel it in? With the whopper plopper? Mm-hmm. You just you just reel it in. If you try to, it won't let you walk the dog. Like the way that prop is shaped, it holds that bait in the water. But you can also use it like a popper. Mm-hmm. And chug it, and that works really well. But those big bull redfish in Louisiana love a whopper plopper. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Here, I've noticed that the fish are the the slot fish. You know the you know the eighteen to not even slot, but eighteen to thirty inch fish don't necessarily love a whopper plopper. There's some days where they'll crush it, but I think a walk the dog style bait is is typically the best. I have caught redfish on a topwater duck 
in Louisiana. <laughs> it's a savage gear duck with a prop feet that spin. Yeah. Um, but those fish, when they get fired up down there, they'll eat freaking. What anyway. about the rat? I have not caught one on the wake bait rat, but but I took it work. It works. I took uh, Ben Chesney, a buddy here. He's been on, on the show a few times. He had a big, like eight inch savage gear. I think it, I think it's a savage. Yeah, it's a, or maybe it's a live target. I can't remember who it is, but it's a wake bait rat. So it's got a bill like a crankbait, but it's straight down so it doesn't make the plug dive, mm-hmm. and it's a jointed bait and it swims just like a rat. I mean, you've, yeah, you've yeah, I have one. I've I've used it for bass. Yeah. But- I've, I've been wanting to use it on a redfish just so I can say that I've caught one. I think fish. wake baits are a bait that needs to be fished for, for redfish more. Um, yeah. It's, it, it, I mean, nothing swims more like a mullet. And I'm not talking about the rat, but I'm talking about different wake baits that they have out for bass. Mm-hmm. Um, just that kind of meandering on the surface. Does it have and, a noise to it? Um, I I, I'm sure some of them have rattles in them. Yeah. I, I haven't, it doesn't have like that click clack like a, like a topwater or like a walk the dog style bait's gonna mm-hmm. have, but I mean they look just like a mullet waking on the surface. Yeah. I know they'd eat it. I know they'd eat it. I mean I, I feel like it'd be a better bait for fishing in the summertime around the oyster bars. Like when you know if you there's areas you kind of know where you typically are getting redfish to blow up a topwater plug. Mm-hmm. I think they would work really well. What's your tactic for? Sorry, I'm switching topics slightly. Yeah. What's your, um, so me personally, when, if I have a fish, a redfish specifically, like blow up on the top water, I keep walking at the same speed. Do you have a different technique for that? For no. Redfish? I walk the same speed or I'll speed it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I never slow it down once there's interest and I definitely don't stop it. Like redfish really don't like it stopped. Yeah. Um, there is one story though, uh, that this, this justifies what I just said, but me, Ben Chesney, the guy I was just talking about, and my old roommate, Tommy Sade, we were fishing down in uh, the lower Cape Fear River, and we're in a small little creek, and I had been catching redfish in these two or three creeks that were near each other, you know, in the in the recent, in the days days prior, and we we went in there, and we'd already caught two or three in this one creek. We were right at the mouth of this next creek. We go in there. Tommy goes to sling a topwater up the middle. Wind knot's really bad on the spool. Topwater's like, you know... 50 feet away from the boat just sitting there while he sits there he unties his whole wind knot gets it all undone and literally i mean it probably took him five minutes or maybe not five minutes maybe a minute minute and a half plug hadn't moved at all and as soon as he gets his his uh wind knot undone have i told you this story no as soon as he gets his wind knot undone he like flips the bale there's still a bunch of slack and a fish just smokes the plug (laughs) on the surface and starts taking off with it and he came tight, and he landed the fish. Oh I think he landed the gosh. fish. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he landed the fish. That's got to be a rare Very occurrence. rare occurrence. Just... I wonder how long that fish was just sitting there looking at that thing. <laughs> I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. A minute and a half. <laughs> a minute and a half, probably, yeah. Um, that was crazy. That was that was crazy. Tommy, if you're watching this, I miss you. Let's go fishing sometime soon. Um, Actually, we are going fishing in Weldon if, um, if they'll let us. If who will let you? If the state will let us. Oh, yeah. Coronavirus stuff, so... Um, how do you think this coronavirus is going to, you know, affect our spring fishing or the ability to do spring fishing? Good question. I mean, I guess it all just depends on how bad it gets. Yeah. The one good thing is if they do shut down, letting people go take their boats out, that there'll be a lot of unpressured fish around Yeah, that's for <laughs> when sure. the time comes to get out there. Yeah. But I'm sure true. everyone will try to be doing the same thing once they let people out. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've heard you know that they've been closing down boat ramps and stuff in states up north, um, 
and I even heard like my buddy was saying in New York, they were like kicking people off the water, like people that had private access to the water. Mm-hmm. They were telling them they had to go home um, and not be out on the water, which Where I is think this? is this is up in New York and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. But excuse me, I just burped a little bit. <laughs> I forgot that Mike picks it up. Um, <laughs> so what was I saying? Oh, closing down boat ramps. Um, I I don't see them doing that here. Or I see them closing on boat ramps. I don't see them kick them kicking us off the water. You know, if we have private access, because mm-hmm. I mean, there's really no better place to be. I can understand if it's a bunch of college kids, high school kids, packed on a boat. You know, going to the sandbar and partying. But um, you know, if it's one or two people on a boat out there fishing, like it's a pretty safe place to be. It's fairly know? quarantined. Very quarantine. Fairly quarantined. I mean, especially if you just pick like your one buddy, two buddies you're going to go fish with, and that was yeah. kind of your your outing for the the week. Um, but it's important to be safe, man. I mean, it's, it, it seems like this is pretty serious and, um, you know, get out and do the fishing that you can, but I think that might be a good idea to just pick a couple people. I'm going to, I'm going to run a few more guide trips and then probably shut it down for a little bit and, and, you know, try to, try to stay, stay away from the, the virus and stay away from the germs. But like we were saying, this spring topwater fishing is awesome. I mean, I think the one thing we haven't really touched on is trout a little bit. And, um, I think one of the things to look at one if you're in some of these non-tidal coastal areas mm-hmm. top water is going to be a, a big proponent player, yeah. yeah it's going to be a big player in the spring and it is a big player in the spring uh, i feel like the trout in the spring locally here in Wrightsville beach you know top water is probably not going to be the first thing i pick up to yeah, throw. i was going to ask you because i've never uh, i've never really like really focused on trout in the spring mm-hmm. um, and I know people do and I was wondering if you had ever had experience with top waters for trout in the spring because in the early fall it's like an awesome bait to use for trout and then as it gets colder it kind of dies off as far as productivity with with that lure but as the water warms up I mean are trout gonna readily eat a top water you think oh yeah I mean I that's the main bait I catch them on in the summer. If I catch trout, is on a topwater mm-hmm. plug. Um, then again, it's I'm not rare though for me. Like, yeah, I, it, you have to really go out and target them. Yeah. Like I don't think there's much bycatch on a topwater plug for trout because they're not hanging out where the redfish are. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hanging out on, on those big edges again. I mean, I feel like the pattern shifts again. So like in the fall, they're in these big main edges, these big main main channels near inlets uh, along coastal rivers um at least here in north Carolina, south Carolina, georgia and virginia that's kind of the trend and later in or later in the winter when it gets cold they push way back into tight creeks they find mm-hmm. the really deep holes they sit in there uh, and top water is really not a player at all then um, i mean in the winter in some of the coastal rivers like the new river um, up into the pamlico sound all those trips up there top water if you get three or four warm days in the winter you can go catch them on top water all winter and same th- same deal with the spring all the coastal rivers are going to fish really well throughout the spring mm-hmm. with the top water. Like, and the thing that I noticed too, like when we were in the noose, was that there was big bait fish around. Yeah, big mullet. We saw and like around here. Hayden. I feel like I don't ever see like big bait fish this time of year or winter into you know getting yeah. around now. Maybe like the big big hardhead mullet, but yeah. other than that, yeah, yeah. Nothing, other than that, nothing. nothing. Yeah, yeah. The amount of pogies and and menhaden up there were were uh, impressive. Yeah, really I mean impressive. they were everywhere. Yeah. I think but, that they get keyed in on that noise like we were talking about when the mm-hmm. pogies are flicking and they're, they're starting to listen for that in the spring. You know? Yeah, yeah. With um, When you're fishing topwaters for trout, um, what's your favorite? 
Favorite top water for trout is the one knocker. <laughs> the one knocker? The one knocker, I think. If I had to pick one. Is the one knocker the same as the um, Spook Jr.? No, it's in between the full size Spook. Okay, this is, that's the one with the three. The three. Trebles. So it's like a little smaller than that one. Okay. And it only comes with two hooks. Okay, okay. Um, it's like the size of a skitter walk. A full size skitter walk, pretty much okay. the length of that. Maybe a little bit longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got such a good pitch. I mean, it's it's like a medium pitch. It's not mm-hmm. a low. It's not a high. It's like a good medium pitch sound. Uh, that I mean, they love that plug. And that a chartreuse and white one knocker is pretty deadly. And I wish they made an eight oh eight. I think it's eight oh eight. Yeah, the the orange and black skitter walk, um, mm-hmm. the golden mullet. I think they call it that that color. And I, I paint some up. So if anybody's interested in those, hit me up. I can paint them up for you. And I, I don't. You just pay me for the materials. You don't have to. I'm not trying to sell these plugs, but they're they're <laughs> great little uh, great little baits. To I really like that color and I like that that plug. So it, they don't make them. So you got to make them yourself. <laughs> I've had a lot of luck. I think you turned me on to them. It was the Spook Juniors for trout. Yeah, the Spook Juniors are awesome. They seem to do really. That well. might be my favorite plug. An all chartreuse Spook Junior or a mullet. It's okay, color you Spook can Junior. have two favorites. I know I can't pick favorites. I'm pretty bad at that. Oh well. When you're fishing for trout with topwaters, and do you have a different technique when they um, blow up on it if they miss it? Yeah, it it comes back to like that striper deal. It's mm-hmm. it's the same kind of thing. You can you can pause it a lot for a trout, and they'll still eat it, and they'll sit underneath it. Work I've it even, slower. Yeah, work knock, it slower. Knock. knock knock, let it sit. Like like walking it in place. Mm-hmm. We were talking about where you can like pop pop give it time to like in kick the, and it'll uh, just kind of stay in one spot kicking back and forth yeah and i feel like the the best only way that i can like really explain that is like if a fish hits it and miss it it's almost like you have to work it like it's really injured yeah definitely. like it just is confused it just got a concussion and it doesn't know what it's doing yeah yeah i would agree they're like you know i feel like that's so natural for them to come up and bust a mullet you get a good hold of it, but not kill it, and it's up on the surface, kind of freaking out, and they mm-hmm. come up and eat it again. So, that's I've never even really thought about that, like because I always think, oh, speed it up. I think those are your two options: speed it up, like it didn't get injured, and it's trying it's like to it's flee, scared, yeah, or or, or fish it like it's you know really hurt. Mm-hmm. And and to to get have the opportunity to play around with those options in a day um, is rare. You know, you're not probably not gonna have that with redfish unless it's you know you're on a school of fish, like you know an average spring morning when the fish aren't schooling, you know. Four or five redfish on top water is a good day. Oh yeah, um, you know in the schools, the yeah, definitely in the summer. Redfish in the summer, definitely. So I know it's our our expectations are going to drop from like, oh, I need to go catch thirty redfish in a day to <laughs> four or five. But but yeah. the scenarios get so much more like enticing than scenarios in which you catch the fish. But all right, if we hit everything top water, spring top water fishing. Yeah, I feel so. like we could do multiple episodes on this. We could have done an episode for each fish. Yeah, we could. We could. We blew it. We really blew it. But Sorry, yeah, guys. no, I think we touched most of this stuff. I mean, we talked about top otters we like, how to work them. Oh, one thing I do want to touch on is I've seen fishermen that are like really good fishermen not tie a loop knot or yeah. a Rapala knot. Maybe they're the same knot. I'm not sure. On their top otters. And I'm like, God, dude, you, you got to you gotta have a knot on there that has some room to give that thing some wiggle because... If you try and walk the dog with like a uni knot or a fisherman's knot or something like that, it just, it works, but it you doesn't have the, the consistency and it. You don't get the like perfect rhythm that you're looking for. Yeah. So 
the knot is, in my opinion, super important if you're fishing top waters. Yeah, I agree. The knot is is key. That loop knot is going to give it so much more play. That's a really good point. So don't tie unis. Don't tie you know improved clinch yeah. knots. And the one I use is called the Rapala knot. The Rapala knot. I don't know which one that is. It may be the same as a loop knot. Not quite. Not quite sure. I do. I don't even know what the name is. I've always called it a tarpon loop, but I do like a, it's like a figure eight. You tie an inline figure eight, then you go through the eye of the hook, then you, you chase the figure eight back through, then you tie a uni above it and cinch it, and you've got okay, a loop. Okay, different. Is it different than yeah. that? You do the figure eight, not the... I do the figure eight. eight to start it off, go through the lure, back through the uh, loop that you made, wrap it around the line three or four times, and then back through the loop. Oh, and wow. And you tighten it. Rapala knot. Yeah, and that's worked for... Amberjack. Does it, what? What's the highest uh, line that you tied it in? Um, highest poundage? Probably 40, 40. 50. Okay. Yeah. It ties pretty well on that? Mm, once it gets up to 50, it gets that a little gets tough. tough. Yeah. A lot of knots do. Um, it's hard to get them to seat yeah. well. I'm not like a really heavy line knot expert yeah i'm not mostly light line crimp it swivel yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah that'll work for heavy yeah. line it does it does well guys thank you all for checking out the show if you were watching the live recording we apologize for that mishap i've been having a lot of issues with my phone and with my wi-fi i think with the with this coronavirus just going on blame it on the virus yeah. i know i think it's I, well i think some people are on their phones i don't know what it is but of it course just, they had to shut down to my favorite topic i know on yeah. topwater fishing yes we'll do a lot more topwater episodes it's they're fun to talk it's fun to talk about in like the, the change season and they'll have a we'll have a video yeah we'll have a topwater striper video coming soon Should, uh, hopefully that gets you pumped up to go topwater it'll fishing. get you pumped up the intro is sick it'll get you pumped up to go <laughs> and do some topwater striper for fishing at least you didn't film me singing did you it's hard to say <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard to say um like i was saying earlier check out the patreon account it'd just be a huge blessing uh if y'all really do love the show to support it in that way um if you if you can't no worries just share it with a friend one other thing that you could go do that would really help us is uh, our podcast ranking was really good, but we've kind of dropped back on the um, reviews. So if you do like the podcast, go to iTunes and review the podcast. Um, hopefully a five-star review if you if you think it's five-star worthy. Um, I'd leave a little comment there. That just helps us a lot with, with the ranking on iTunes for more people to find this. Uh, but we love you all so much. Thank you so much for your support, and we will see you all in the next episode.